This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. Hey there, everybody. Welcome again to Let's Talk. I am with the, hey. the man, the myth, the legend, oh, yes. Adam Chaney, hey, once hey. again. What's up? Happy to be here. How you doing, bro? Doing great. Good. Uh, lots of recording. Yeah, yeah. Enjoying lots, this. Lots of recording. When I get guests out for <laughs> content days, I got to maximize the time. Oof. At least he's feeding me. Let's go. Yeah, so... Today, we are going to talk about social justice. So, right. Adam, you're the, de- the development director at Elijah Rising, which yep. is a social justice organization, yes. specifically in the vein of human and sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. But social justice is a much larger umbrella of which human trafficking and sex trafficking fit under. Right. So, let's talk big social justice. It's like, what is it? And should the church even care? Ooh. Should the church even care? Okay, what is it? Um, so social, right? Meaning um, society, right? So population, bunch of people uh, crammed together in a in an area, yep. make up a society. Yep. And, and we talk about that nationally, state, local, right? You have different societies. And then justice, right? So um, we were kind of talking about this before we began. I mean, I think a good... Um, working definition if that's the right way to put it is like establishing equality for all people um and or maybe restoring the equality of all people but for some marginalized people groups they've never had equality they've never actually experienced justice and there is the need to establish it um but for some people it's to reclaim yeah uh, a, a place in society that's equitable um, that's empowering. Mm-hmm. It's Elijah Rising. We use the word empowering a lot because one of the things that we do is we empower women. I mean, and specifically in our work, it's women who are, um, it, you know, going through the restoration process after being, uh, after experiencing commercial sexual exploitation. So that's, that's how, that's kind of how I think of social justice. I, I kind of think about it uh, also at like a more macro level as well. Like I think about it globally. I yeah. think about social justice as a global issue. Um, but the truth be told, it, it starts locally uh, with the way that each and every one of us uses our influence, mm-hmm. our power, because everybody has some measure of power, uh, our economics, how we choose to spend our money, yep. and how we choose to make our money. Yeah. Um, and then just relationally, like how we treat our neighbor. So your second question there was, um, should the church care? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? what it's a softball question. Somebody but. walks up to Jesus, right? So I don't know, you know how familiar the viewers and listeners are with the biblical narrative, but like this guy walks up to Jesus one day and says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, you know, he's a Jew. And so he's very familiar with the camp, the, the commandments. Yep. This is kind of a cornering question. And Jesus it's goes, this is set up. Jesus quotes some old Testament and he says, love God. Um, but then he says, but wait, there's more love your neighbor as yourself. So in the same breath, Jesus says, it's not only important to love God, but it's important to love your neighbor. Yeah. So if you're social justice, in in my opinion, is loving your neighbor. Yeah. And, and that plays out in a myriad of ways on a, in a multitude of issues. Yeah. So for me on the pastor side, I've defined social justice in a spiritual way 
as the activity of the believer being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, right. Because Jesus go. says, um, whatever you've done to the least of these, the marginalized, the vulnerable, the yeah. people lacking equity in society. You've done to me. You've done to me. So it is this. Well, and then even, even further, when Paul is persecuting the church and Jesus appears to him in Acts 8, Jesus' question is, why do you persecute me? Me. That's oh, that's good. And yeah. so it really is that that the Imago Dei, the image of God, is embedded in humans, yeah. in people, not just people of faith. I yeah. think that's a misconception. And so I asked the question, should the church care? Because I think at large, the church doesn't. Um Unfortunately, I, I don't know, man, at large. Um, I think I think there's something to be said for the evolution of the church since the first century. That's fair. That's fair. And I think there have been times and spaces and geographies, you know, locations and cultures where the church has cared deeply. I, th I think uh, in more recent times, I think about the liberation theology movement of South America, which is very social justice oriented. Yeah. I'm thinking Gustavo yeah. Gutierrez and, and many others. We could list them. Um, you know, I, at times, I mean, hospitals were originally created right. by the church. By orphanages. Orphanages. There are many, many movements that saw the least of these, the marginalized, the oppressed within the church throughout history and said, well, we got to do something about that right now in yeah. a very practical way. It's that orthodoxy to orthopraxy. Right. Um, I So maybe if I could critique your statement yeah, just a little bit, I, I would say perhaps the current iteration of the American evangelical church seems to not care a whole lot yeah with fair, the exception with the, the exception of maybe a couple of justice issues which we may or may not want to get into yeah so i think absolutely jesus especially like looking at places like the sermon on the mount yeah the the parables in luke's gospel jesus is very concerned about how people of faith act towards other people just yeah. in general. So social justice is a key issue. It is something that Wellhouse cares about. It's yeah. one of the reasons you're out here today. Very thankful for that. Um, and so we want to know, like just as in general, um, help us formulate what are some social justice issues that we think are charges to the church yeah. that we should care about and evaluate um, in light of our Christian faith. Yeah. So I can really only speak to ones that are, um, well, I, th I think I should perhaps say I'm really only comfortable speaking to ones that are important to me. Okay. That's fine. Um, and I, they're important to me though, just to clarify, they're important to me because of Jesus. Yeah, right, <laughs> right? Like, right. I care about these issues because of who Jesus is revealed to uh, me as. And so I think the first one for me, I mean, obviously human trafficking, my day job, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, my whole existence really is built around fighting for those who are um, being exploited in the commercial sexual uh, exploitation industry, which I know we're going to do another episode yeah, we're gonna on do that an episode dedicated. So I won't that. do a deep dive, but real quick on that. One of the reasons why it's such an important issue to me is there's this term intersectionality. 
Okay. Um, when it comes to social justice movements, uh, intersectionality is this idea that there are multiple injustices. There's multiple issues of oppression, marginalization, systemic oppression issues that intersect. Um, so macro oppression. Yeah. So like I'm a 33 year old white male in America, cisgender, cisgendered male in America my experience with injustice is radically different than a transgender black woman, woman yeah. uh, who grew up in poverty. Right. Um, and so what that individual is experiencing is a lot of intersections of justice issues, social justice issues. Yeah. So intersectionality just yeah. to drop a big term. So yeah. here, let me get back to the sex trafficking issue. Um, sex trafficking is the intersection of many social justice issues. It is homelessness. It is poverty. It is addiction. It is food scarcity. Uh, it is obviously, you know, sexual exploitation. Um, it's poverty. It's racism. It's incarceration. It's sex trafficking kind of, um, you will find all of these social justice issues existing as vulnerabilities that lead somebody to the point to where they are exploited by someone. That's why I care about the issue a lot. Yeah. Among other reasons. Um, some of the other big ones for, again, for me personally, I think refugees, the care for refugees. Uh, I think immigration is a really big issue for me. I know you guys did a great podcast. Um, I forget which one it was. They're blurring together in my head at the moment, but you well, and, we put out a lot of content. That yeah, happens. you and Clayton talked to, for a while about immigration as a, in terms of politics. Yeah, and things so that, like that that was on the episode of "Can You Be a Christian and Democrat?" Right, right, right. And so um, that's a really big one to me because, again, because of the biblical witness, because of who Jesus is. Yeah. Jesus, at one point in his life, was a refugee, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yep. and there are multiple places in the scriptures where we're told to. Um, Care for the immigrant. Care for the immigrant. Make them make a refugee as one of your own citizens. Yep. Um, and so immigration is a big issue for me, especially when it comes to um, child mm -hmm. refugees, like like yeah. uh, underage refugees and, and yep. immigrants. DACA. I mean, not to get too political here, yeah. but like DACA is a really huge issue for me personally. Yeah. Uh, which is deferred action on childhood arrivals, um, what the acronym stands for. And um, again, we can get into more which, details. And specifically, about that. as that relates, the problem is they're separating parents and children at the borders. Well, and then after the separation and they go through the process, yeah. then they can't find the parents to reunite the family. Well, that's the way it's playing out in recent days. Yeah. Um, uh, the DACA was originally written to protect um, children who were brought here by their parents illegally and they've grown up in this country yeah. they've been educated here they've got jobs here they're you know they're they're living uh um, the american life here yeah. and i have an, a, a number of personal friends who um are protected by daca uh, or are at risk of daca being taken away so i, I have some personal anecdotal you know connections with that issue yeah. in particular um uh, another one I think is um, mass incarceration, criminal justice yep. issues. Um, I have good friends that are working in this area um, who multiple times throughout the scriptures um, we see, well, I, I'm thinking, I guess more so in the new Testament, right? Like where did, where did the church get the idea of prison ministry? Right. Well, 
the apostles, own people are the apostles are locked up yeah. multiple times right and so even paul and silas you know they're like ministering to the guards and the other prisoners um and so in this country though we have a mass incarceration issue yeah. i think that's a bipartisan issue i don't i don't think that's a democrat or republican issue i mean um Per capita, we have the largest incarceration rate of any country in the world. Which has a lot to do with economics. I mean, it has a lot to do with the privatized um, jail system, the privatized prison systems. And so there's money to be made on incarcerating individuals, which is a justice issue. That's ridiculous. And so, uh, and obviously black and brown people are far more impacted by the criminal justice system and the war on drugs um, and redlining. You know, so then that leads me to another another one. A huge social justice issue that the church has to care about is racism yeah racism racism um this is 2020 this is november 2020 if you're not aware that this country has a systemic race issue uh, what rock are you living under (laughs) yeah or like switch up your media narrative yeah um because it's real it's present and here's why the church should care about it because in jesus's literal blood line we have we see a mixing of races he really is all nations and all peoples yeah. if you read his the biblical narrative of how jesus's family comes to be there's yeah. moabites in his yeah. bloodline okay yeah and go go just read matthew one and look up those people yeah go go yeah right exactly and so i um actually I'm, by the time this comes out i may have already preached a sermon on that there you go how convenient um like racism to me is antichrist like to be racist is to be antichrist it is to be literally anti-jesus um and 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 just to be clear one more statement i make here like about racism is there's a difference between between being anti-racism and not being racist Mm. Uh, i think it's very important to recognize that like just not being racist is a good starting point but that is different from being someone who is anti-racism being active in the fight against racism intentionally changing your language and challenging family members at the thanksgiving table when they say something stupid and racist right that's being anti-racist teaching your children what racism is um um, including conversations about uh black wall street which we didn't learn about in our in our education it's only recently come to light because uh black men are being killed right i mean so being anti-racist is something different than I'm not a racist. Great, you're not a racist. I believe you. Perfect. Now be anti-racist. Yeah. Uh, take take the next step because I, I think that is uh, incumbent upon the church. Uh, you know, and one of the most segregated times in our country still to this day is when Sunday mornings. Yep. Uh, we don't even worship together. Um, and if we if if we want to live into a realized eschatology, what what are we? What does the eternal kingdom look like? Well, all tribes, all tongues, all nations, yeah. all people worshiping around the same throne. Yeah. So that one's hard for me um, because there wouldn't be a black church if the white church would have let black people in. Oh, we intentionally created the segregation. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, guys, you do whatever you want and I'll support you however you want to do Without it a doubt. because your existence is because we were terrible to you. Well, and we're still terrible. I, yeah. I mean, right. And there are cultural divides. Like I'm not, I'm not in any way suggesting that like, if you go to an all black church, you need to go to a white church. Or if you go to an all white church, you need to go to a black church or whatever, yeah. or like forced integration is also problematic. Right. Um, especially when it comes to religious gatherings, like do man, go worship wherever yeah. it's just, 
evidence of a systemic issue that is that is uh generationally rooted and has a lot of um ways that it is playing out in our current culture and time um i think women's rights yeah so that's you want me to keep going i can list yeah (laughs) yeah so that's one that um i think if there were a personal charge to me for Mm -hmm. social justice issues it's the one that's that specifically touch and impact women. Yeah. Um, you know, in studying history, there's been a lot of like liberation movements yeah. that, that have happened both socially and theologically. Um, we've seen liberation theology hit black men. Yeah. Um, we've seen liberation theology hit um, Latinx communities. Yeah. We've seen liberation theology hit women feminism yeah Yeah. um the most underserved and undervoiced women are black women absolutely liberation theology in the black church missed black women yeah because they were oppressed by black men as well as other people yeah um feminism missed black women because it was white women who took the horn sure um in america yeah in america these are very american Speaking as Americans on an American podcast is yeah, a very American about conversation. the intersection of American Christianity yeah. and American culture. Yeah. So for me, the women one is a big one and that, that plays itself out in a number of different ways. Um, I talked about this on pints and perspectives, but, and we talked about it uh, just not long ago, but people in positions of power have to fight to maintain that power. Right. And, historically men have been in power and so they have done a very good job of keeping women pushed down um even in the church oh especially in the church um i mean this plays itself out in a number of different ways but we go to two proof texts one in first timothy and one in first corinthians yep we totally take them out of their context. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Pastor. Preach on. Yeah. So we take them out <laughs> of their context. We use them as proof text um, to say women don't have a right to be here. And yet we forsake the narrative at play of how God used women yeah. in these places uh, and to do these things and the work of the Holy Spirit in women. And so women. And gender equality issues are important to me. That's why, um, you know, sex trafficking is a big issue because that's predominantly women. Absolutely. Um, so I do think that's a big one. Uh, you know, and can, can I say one thing about that? Yeah, absolutely. Like in all of these issues, like the first step in oppressing a people group, or or you know, uh, um, I'll say it this way: step one of marginalization and oppression is always making a demographic voiceless. Yeah. Yeah. Removing the capacity for voice and input from a people group. Unfortunately, historically that has been the church with women. Yeah. You cannot speak. Yeah. When to those two passages you're referring to, if you can speak, but only to the other women or the kids to our children, never in a pulpit. Now that's not all, uh, you know, these are blanket statements. That's not all churches. It's not all Christianity throughout time. In fact, the first century church, I mean, we know that there were women deacons. It's just rampant with women. When you actually read the narrative. Absolutely. Go look up Phoebe. If you don't believe me, um, Phoebe, Chloe, 
Eutyche Lydia. or Syntyche. Go, I, mean, I mean, all yeah. of them. Yeah. And he, he'll read the Greek to you. He'll prove it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just so many. The voicelessness, though. Yeah. When you can remove the voice of a people, that is step one in taking their power away. Yeah. So anyways, I cut you off a second. No, no. So that, and that's one thing. We... We don't publish who our board members are at Wellhouse for a number of different reasons. Um, but with that, one of the things that we do is um, we make sure to have an equal number of women to men. Yeah. Um, because I think that is important. Yeah. Um, and so women issues is a big one for me. I think... Um, because of the way that it touches women is the mass incarceration issue and the, sure. the racism issue. I mean, you want to talk about oppressing women. If you take their primary breadwinner away uh, and, and lengthen their prison sentence, double or triple what another similar thing. So the war on drugs is the big one where we see this, right? Yeah. Um, so if you don't know the war on drugs, the basic premise here is that Crack cocaine, which was pro prominent in minority communities, yep. had double the sentence, the prison sentence, as powder cocaine, which is prominent among white people. Right. And it's the same drug. Right. It is literally the same drug. Um, one's cheaper. Absolutely. Uh, and one's more expensive and prominent amongst uh, white people, people or yeah. people of power. Yeah. And so... The sentence is less for those, but they're the same drug. And so... Well, even the bail system and the disenfranchisement if you know, uh, uh, of, of your voting rights. Yeah. Uh, right? I mean, and anyways, we could talk more about that. But one of the things that needs to happen in, in criminal justice reform is the re-enfranchisement of voting rights to those yeah. felons, which F Florida, you know, voted to approve that. But then... There was a poll tax placed on them that they had to pay off all their bail and fines before they were able to actually get those voting rights back. And these people were in prison, so they can't get a job now because right. they have a felony on their record. And so now they can't pay that money back. And thus, they are still disenfranchised. Yeah. So that, I mean, and that that's just a continuation of like Jim Crow laws. Oh, without a doubt. Um, so I do think there are issues there. And so all that to say, coming back to the biblical side of this, should we care? Well, absolutely. I think... I'm very vocal about this. I don't read Genesis one, two, and three super literally. Mm. I think they are a literary device to help explain sure. God's activity in creation, but not to detail step by step what creation was. Um, but in that, we have in Genesis chapter one that God made them male and female in His image and likeness. Yeah. There's uh, something about the human that's different. They're made in the image of God, which is not talked about any other creature. Yeah. This is unique to the human. Sure. And so, and this is one of my complaints with a lot of the narrative um, that's been dominated for pro-life issues. All of these that we've just spoken about are pro-life issues. Being anti-abortion is not all-encompassing of pro-life. It yeah. is a pro-life issue. But it's sure. not the only one. Yeah. Healthcare is a pro-life issue. Being fed is a, is a pro-life issue. Um, mass incarceration, poverty, all of these yeah. are pro-life issues. And so if we believe that humans are made in the image of likeness of God, then 
absolutely we should care. Yeah, and I think the abortion question, right, that's like the hottest topic, the hottest button to press, especially when we're talking about the church. Absolutely. Right, and um, and I think what's missed in that conversation is like, it's so politicized. Yeah, the narrative's been stripped from the church. Well, you, there's just this like, well, if you vote this way, then you're for killing babies. Nobody's for killing babies, right? I mean, yeah, yeah there are that's, people. That, that's such a straw man argument. Yeah, yeah, like sure, there are people out there that want to kill babies, but like not 72 million people want to kill babies. Like that's right. ridiculous. Yeah. Like that's not, yeah. that is, it's a straw man argument. It's talking past one another. You, I don't want abortions to happen either. Right. Right. I mean, I don't support uh, abortion in all of its forms at all terms of pregnancy. I don't, I don't think that's good for our country. Um, I don't think it's good for our communities. I don't think it's good for the mother, but here's the deal. Uh, if we are impoverishing individuals, if we're locking up the fathers over petty issues and then, you know, keeping them locked up forever because they don't have the economic means to get out uh, or the social structures to support them when they and get then out. And constantly trying to take away the welfare that assists them. Yeah, uh, stripping healthcare away from them, right? Not making healthcare accessible, affordable, and quality. We're not feeding. They don't have access to adequate uh, nourishment and food. There's food deserts. We're, we're just outside of Houston, Texas. I can drive five minutes from my house to a different neighborhood and get into a predominantly black neighborhood, rather famous neighborhood, uh, and they don't have a grocery store yeah. where you can buy produce, right? And so we, you have all of these social justice issues that are stacking upon one another. This is in, back to the term intersectionality. And then what we what we want to do is say, but abortion bad. Well, but put yourself in the shoes of the 19-year-old mother. They can barely feed herself. Who can't feed herself, yeah. maybe. And what, what decision are you asking? Well, then they should put the baby up for adoption. Sure, but how... If she doesn't have medical, like if she doesn't have insurance, if she doesn't have access to quality, plus black women die in childbirth at a much higher rate than any other demographic. Well, and I think even beyond that, you know, that that's my fault with the narrative around the church and the abortion conversation is, well, adoption is the answer. Well, in 2017, there were over 400,000 children in the foster system. There were 350,000 evangelical churches. Yeah, that go preach. If, if one preach. family from every evangelical church, that didn't include Catholic churches, that didn't include mainline Protestants, that yeah. didn't include the Orthodox. Yeah. If one family from every church would have adopted one kid, we could have wiped out the foster system. Yeah, man. You can't continue to say that adoption is the answer if you refuse to adopt kids. Yeah, I mean, um, adoption is the answer, right? Sure, I want all the babies born. Yeah, me too. I want all the babies in loving homes uh, that are that are supporting them and giving them the best chance at a future. But the church has to step up, dude. We are we're the we're. I have a friend, uh, Joe Madison. He runs another anti-trafficking organization that primarily focuses on reducing demand. So he works with a lot of dudes, a lot of buyers. So the Johns, the Johns. Um, and one of the things he says about the fight to end trafficking and reducing demand is that the sleeping giant 
in this work is the church. It's the church. We, we're already organized. We already have leadership structures. We have a ton of money and resources and buildings and influence. We're a, the evangelical church is obviously, after most recent events, a huge legislative voting block. Yep. You want to end abortion? Adoption is the answer. Access to affordable, adequate health care is also the answer. Yeah. Access to food is the answer. There are many, many issues. You increase social services and social structures to offer justice to marginalized populations, I guarantee Abortion abortions are reduced. Yep. So all of this to say, social justice is not one issue. No. Social justice is a category in which marginalized people are affected by any number of concerns that which the church should care about. Yeah, because we're called the love our neighbor. Yes. And so my charge to you, we're about to get into the next episode where we talk specifically about human trafficking because that is a huge Houston issue. Yeah, for sure. Um, But for you, any of the number of issues that we've talked about, um, you can reach out to me. I'll link some in the show notes here, but you personally can go and support some of these other initiatives that you feel called to, because we at Wellhouse, we can't meet all of them. Yeah, no, we're going to pick one or two that we get really involved in and we try to make a deep impact in, but we want our people involved in every one of them. Yeah, absolutely. One of the reasons that we've modeled our church this way is because I don't want to give you service opportunities. I want the Lord to raise up in you the things that you're passionate about and what he's doing, and you make space to go do those in the name of Wellhouse Church with organizations that already exist. So reach out to me. I'll put some in the show notes if you have any questions. Uh, But deeply, deeply, deeply know to your core that social justice is an issue that's been politicized and the narrative has been taken from the church, yeah. but it is first and foremost an issue of the church. Yeah. Amen.